And I'll tell you something, I, I've watched this video a lot of times this week, I'm, I, a lot of times. I feel like I've hung out with those people a ton. And, and the thought that kept entering my mind was this, that if, if you could have taken me and, and my wife Brooke 13 years ago and sat us down at a table, uh, when we moved here to the central Florida area, I was 28 years old, I had a, a three-year-old daughter and a five-week-old son, uh, and my wife and I had the stirring to step into a story God was calling us into, to plant a church. We, we knew no one and nothing and anything, and we just showed up here, parachuted in. If you'd sat me at a table with my wife and you'd played us that video and said 13 years from now, this is what you're going to play, this is what you're going to get to be part of, I would have told you that is crazy talk. That is crazy talk. Maybe 50 years from now, but, but to, to see us being able to be part of something like that is absolutely unimaginable. And, and, and throughout the week, as I was thinking about that thought, if I could have seen this video 13 years ago, would I have even believed it possible? This verse kept coming to mind over and over again throughout the week. It's found in the book of Ephesians. And, and it says this, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. Right? So Paul starts off by saying, I I'm about to say something about God who does immeasurably more, not only than what you ask for, but than even what you can imagine. Right? It's not just, oh, I didn't ask. It's like, I couldn't have imagined. If I tried, it wouldn't have been possible. You've done more than what I could imagine. And I love that Paul says, uh, the one who is at work in you, right? So it's not just God did this stuff, you get to watch it happen. It's God did this stuff by inviting you to participate in it, right? And so he's at work in me, through me, uh, around me, in us, through us, around us, and we get to see him do immeasurably more than all we ask for or imagine. And then listen to this. Here's how Paul ends this little uh, sentence here, or this little verse here with verse 21. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever, amen, right? So here's what Paul says. Whatever is done, Whatever happens, whatever video you watch and go, that's unbelievable. To who belongs the glory? To Christ, right? To God. It's His glory. It's His story. It's His deal. And so it was a beautiful reminder this week for me. Like We're about to step into dialoguing through the vision God has given the leadership of this church for the next two years that catalyzes the next decade of our story. And here's the deal. Whatever we're about to talk about in this place, uh, whether it is from what God has done in the past or what God is showing us He will do in the future, it is to the glory of Christ, uh, to the glory of Christ. Uh, we didn't do this. We just got to participate in something He is doing and He bothered to do it through us because He's that good to us, right? He's that good to us. So I just want you to know that this verse has stirred in me to be reminded this is to the glory of God, to the glory of God, to the glory of God forever and ever. Amen. So 13 years ago, uh, Brooke and I show up here. Uh, God stirred in us this invitation, this calling to, to start a church. Uh, we come to the West Orlando area. 
uh, we go, God, where do we begin? We move into a house. We go find a swimming pool. We start meeting people. Uh, just a parachute in deal, two little kids. Here's where we start. And as we began to step into this idea of gathering people so that we could launch a brand new little church, this question was emerging, right? Why on earth would we launch a new church? Why on earth would we even be a church? I mean, what's the point? Are we going to gather a bunch of people so we can uh, do a Sunday thing and extract some tithe and, and, and have a, a salary and, and get a building and sing together? Is, is that what this is really going to be about, right? So we jumped into scripture and started asking the question, God, if you could boil it down for us to the, to the core reality to which we must exist as a church, what would that be. And in, in that journey, we discovered this beautiful verse. I, I'd read it many times, but discovered it in the context of our story of Mosaic. It's found in Matthew chapter 22. And in Matthew chapter 22, uh, these Sadducees and Pharisees basically asked Jesus this question. If you could take all of it, Jesus, all of it, all the law, all the prophets, all the revelation, everything God's ever shown, done, whatever, and you could boil it down to what matters most, what would you say? And Jesus answers the question this way uh, in verse um, 37 of chapter 22 of the book of Matthew. He, he said this uh, to them. And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Do you hear that? On these two realities, everything else God has ever revealed depends on these two things. If the fruit of everything we know of God is not that we are more deeply devoted to Christ and on greater mission for the, for the revelation, the gospel that God has given us to, to love people on his behalf, then it's pointless. Then it doesn't matter. And so we birthed here what we started building Mosaic on 13 years ago. We will demonstrate our passion for God and his passion for people. That's it. That's what we're going to do. We're just going to go do that and see what happens. Demonstrating our passion for God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind and strength. And demonstrating his passion for people. Love your neighbor as yourself on behalf of Christ. And so we gathered people and said, let's go, let's go do that. And then, of course, the question emerges, doesn't it? We can, we can go do that all day long, but how are we going to do that? What does that even mean? What does that look like? How, how, do, how do you play that out? And so we jump back into Scripture and go, and we, God, how, how do we do that? And, and this is what emerged, right? First of all, uh, God really led us uh, to the book of Ephesians and said, if you're, going to, if you're going to spend your time at church doing something, then, then make sure this is core to it because he gave the leadership of the church for a very particular pur purpose to the church. Here's what he gave them to. In Ephesians chapter 4, Paul is writing, and in, in verse um, uh, 11, he says this, and he gave the apostles... The prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. There's the leadership of the church, right? Those shepherding the church. He gave them to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. For building up the body of Christ. There it is. Why did he give the church the leadership of the church? To equip the saints to do the work of the gospel. That's it. So if we, if we want to go out there and do the work of the gospel, that is demonstrating our passion for God and his passion for people. Then in church, we need to gather up so that we can equip the saints to do that. That is to give people 
an authentic experience of God. Anyone should be able to have an authentic experience of God here because when we have an authentic gospel encounter that stirs devotion in us and we are captivated by Christ and that's where mission is born from. If it is born from any other place, it is self-directed mission, which is devastating to the kingdom of God and to your own soul. But if it is born out of a deep uh, uh, encounter with the gospel, then it is mission directed from a, a recognition of soul rescue, future redeemed, purpose restored, right? And then after a gospel encounter happens, then we need to actually equip them into leadership. Equip you, me, into leadership. Leadership meaning leading in our lives in a manner that displays the gospel. Demonstrating our passion for God and his passion for people. So that's what we got to do. And then... If we equip all the saints, gospel encounters and, and developing them uh, for missional living. So there it is, gospel encounters, missional living. Then what do we do with these equipped saints? Well, we actually have to go do something, right? So it dawned on us, if we're going to demonstrate our passion for God and His passion for people, we actually have to go and impact the world. We actually have to go change the world. Because that's what we are left on this planet to do, is to be ambassadors for Christ ambassadors of redemption to a dead and dying world. And so we're like, we, we better be spending our time impacting the world. If we're just equipped sitting around, then it's wasting time and we're not fulfilling our purpose. And then uh, we realized that was an obvious because it was born out of what? Multiple places in scripture. My favorite of that context being this, for, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Remember where, where, where Paul writes and he says, you are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. I mean, how awesome is that? You're brand new. And then he goes, but that's not where it, where it ends. I have made you ministers of reconciliation between men and God. You are ambassadors of Christ. This is your God-created purpose now. Go out there in whatever context you live and be an ambassador for Christ. And so we got to actually impact the world locally, globally, internally. And, and then, of course, there was this sort of lingering thing that sat. All of that's awesome, but Jesus did say at the end of his time on this planet, uh, he did say, here's ultimately what I want you to do now, and we call it the Great Commission, right? Like, go into all the world, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them into the story of Jesus, right? And we're like, well, where, 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 does, where does that fit? Because we got all the other stuff now, and God said, well, that's, that's what you now keep doing. While you're equipping the saints and impacting the world, make sure that you are growing that story, reproducing that in people so that they are uh, invited into the story and they become part of the story. And then that expands the gospel, the kingdom of God on this planet, and that's what you do. So go grow your story. Just go, go do that. Grow this reality that you are changing the world with equipped saints because you know you're supposed to demonstrate your passion for God and his passion for people. And as we started 13 years ago and said, let's go do that, we got a band of 15 people together and started doing that. And here's what's happened over the last 13 years. We now have three campuses stretched over the greater Orlando area with over 2,000 people on a weekly basis having gospel encounters that we are trusting are going to stir them to be able to have a devoted life to Jesus and rethink how they live life. 
because they realize who they now are in Christ. And as they step into that, we want to plug them into spaces where they can be trained up and equipped, not just for uh, continued devotion, but for missions. So we have 50 missional communities uh, out of the Winter Garden and Oakland campus spread around the greater Orlando area. We have 33 discipleship groups in the Walt Disney World campus alone. We have 29 student small groups equipping the students to live on mission. And we have 41 kids small groups working diligently to equip the kids to live on mission. We don't wait till they become adults. They are followers of Jesus. They are on mission in their context, and we want them to live that out, devoted and on mission. That means we have 153 small groups in this church that are developing leaders to be able to live their lives on mission. Beyond that, we have 131 deacons and elders now. 100 deacons in place and 31 elders and elders in process right now. And that's a two-year journey that's super intense to even step into that world. And so uh, that has been amazing to watch God bring out more and more people to say we're going to be in leadership, serving, setting the pace to be able to say, follow me as I follow Christ. That's what we want our elders and deacons doing. Mission service happened three years in a row now in our local context. We have served in those three years 77 different organizations in our city with 1,650 people involved in that. That means it's translated into over 5,000 uh, uh, volunteer hours in the last three years in our city directly applied to uh, partnerships and organizations in the city. We have, beyond Mission Serve, seen 120 orphan children find families in this church, 120, and more are coming through foster care, through safe families, and into adoption. 120 kids ha have forever homes, and they are ours, and we are theirs because we have stepped into hard places. There are over 60 children a week that travel through our children's ministry that have unique special needs. The reason that's important is because oftentimes families that have children with unique special needs, church is not a safe place for them because church requires predictability. It requires you to sit quietly, to color your coloring book, not to disrupt what is happening. We come into this place and go, are you kidding me? Disrupt, baby, that's the most fun. I mean, come on, uh, be yourself, stop trying to color a page and run around the sanctuary a little bit, okay? So, uh, so there's this sense of this is a safe place for you to come, and what we want to do is functionally communicate uh, each of us in our function and our dysfunction are uniquely redeemed to be able to play a part in the kingdom of God, so let's make sure we do that. We have 17 global partners around the globe, uh, and that's in 15 different countries. Those global partners we are deeply invested in financially, spiritually, emotionally, in all sorts of ways. We send teams out to them regularly to go and serve whatever needs they may have. They tell us we send the right team. That means this year alone we've had over 100 people travel to those 15 countries to go and serve in unique ways our global partners on the ground. And that will only increase as well. And then you have the video you watched. Stories like those being born through all this in a way that starts expanding life change and transformation, people redirecting their entire lives for the sake of the gospel to see others encounter the gospel and be set free from sin and death. That's what we've gotten to be part of so far. And the harder we press in to say, we're going to invite you to lose your life for Christ and die to yourself so you can live for the kingdom, more people show up. 
The more we say, he's going to take everything from you so that you can be part of his story, more people show up. We keep trying to make you leave and you keep staying. (laughs) Because the story that we are invited into through the gospel is so compelling, so soul-freeing, that it doesn't matter if we lose it all for the sake of the gospel because we actually have come to believe that we will find our lives when we lose our lives for Christ. And so as more people show up, that creates some, some trouble for us, right? Uh, we've got children's ministry shut down because we're hit fire code on every level. And so a new person shows up one minute late for church and they come to check their three kids and they had a fight in the car because to get the three kids to church was a nightmare. And they go and say, take them. And we go, we can't. Take them into church. They go, you mean like in there? Yep. You don't know my kids. We're heading home. Right? That is not an authentic gospel encounter. That is not an authentic gospel encounter. And so we're struggling because we're full everywhere. We're full here. We've, we've got the Thursday gathering now we started, and that's helped alleviate some space. We've got the Sunday night gathering. That's helped alleviate some space. But every time we help alleviate, it just keeps filling up. And so we sat here as an elder team, and we said, okay, okay, here's the deal. God, this is what you've done over 13 years. What do you want to do over the next decade? We're going to be 20 years old in seven years as a church. When we turn 20, what is that going to mean? What, what are we, we going to get to say? What video are we going to play then? What do you want us to do? And, and it was really quick and simple for us. God just kind of said this. Well, if you study this all over again, you're going to find the same verses. So just keep doing that. Keep doing what you've been doing. What, what is that, God? Well, you know you need to demonstrate your passion for God and His passion for people. And here's how you do that. Equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. That means you need to make sure that people have authentic gospel encounters within your story and that you have spaces for them to develop as leaders in that story to be equipped to do the work of the ministry. Second of all, make sure that you are actually impacting the world, doing something about the mess out there. And third of all, make sure that in all of that, you are reproducing the story so that more and more people are involved in changing the world on behalf of Christ. So go do that and you're going to be fine. So as an elder team, we sat together and we said, okay, God, we're going to develop a plan that is going to execute those three things over the next two years, setting us up for the next season of videos like that expanding into greater stories. So that's exactly what we did. Let me show you how that plan is going to unfold, okay? Here's how it works. First, we are going to make it an absolute continued priority to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. Here's how we're going to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. I'm giving you the quick flyby plan. There is layer after layer after layer in these plans, okay? I mean, we have the next two years mapped out uh, practically week by week in terms of what we're going to do to execute these things. Here's what it looks like. We're going to accelerate ministry everywhere. That means we're going to accelerate children's ministry, student ministries, adult ministries, missional community ministries, global impact ministries, all of it. Why? Because it is in those ministry spaces that people are having authentic gospel encounters where their lives are being transformed to see it differently. And then it is in those ministry spaces where being inspired uh, to follow Jesus, they are also being equipped to do it in a manner worthy of the gospel. So... If we're going to prioritize something to be able to really do this, we want to prioritize equipping the saints because it's the saints that are going to carry the gospel. We not only need to accelerate ministry everywhere, but we need to develop even more leaders. 
Uh, Phil, our executive pastor, has done a phenomenal job with his teams developing the infrastructure uh, to produce spaces for people who have encountered the gospel to develop as leaders leading in their spheres of influence and in their callings. And we are going to continue to expand that ministry so that it is open to everyone. Eventually, our hope is that everyone in this church that calls it home today would be leading out two years from now, right? Leading out in missional living. That's the goal. Otherwise, we're just sitting around. And so we're going to develop that. And then we're going to make a few strategic staff hires over the next two years to facilitate those expansions we're talking about. Uh, about uh, seven years ago, we were a little church. We had very little resource. And because of someone's fearless generosity and sacrificial generosity, they infused resources into our church. We were able to hire some staff we had no business having at the size we were at. And because of that, those staff were able to facilitate the expansion of growth in a number of people quickly, which created larger groups of volunteers, leaders in the ministry, which allowed for greater ministry, which expanded everything. So we know that just a few strategic staff can create the space for significant and large change in a number of people that produces the army we need to be able to go do the work of the gospel, right? We're not hiring staff to do the work. We're hiring staff to help you do the work, to help me do the work as saints of Christ. That's how we're going to do it in equipping the saints. That's a high priority for us. Second of all, we are going to impact our world. That's what we're going to do. We're going to keep doing that because we've been doing it and we're going to do it more, more than ever. Here's what that's going to look like. We're going to increase our local and global partnerships. Our teams under Gabe, our pastor of local and global impact, as well as missional communities, which is where we live on mission together. Uh, he has already got a two-year plan beautifully mapped out in terms of how we're going to engage more and more partners on the ground. We think partnerships are everything. In the video, you saw the Webbers. They started TLC 30 years ago. We didn't exist as a church 30 years ago. So their story does not belong to the outpouring of our story. In fact, they've jumped into our story, and that's what partnerships look like. People coming together saying, you got an awesome story, so do you. Put them together, awesomer. It's a word I made up a long time ago. We use it here a lot. Okay, so that's how we're going to roll with that. We're going to increase local and global partnerships in missions, church planting, justice and mercy, and orphan care locally and globally. Beyond that, we are going to launch the uh, Mosaic Latino Campus. Because, believe it or not, uh, the largest growing demographic in Central Florida is the Latino community. And uh, many of them, English is a second language experience. They can do it, but it's a little difficult. And they come to Mosaic and they hear uh, me talk, and I talk at 197 miles an hour. The English speakers can't keep up. And so we're like, okay, this is, this is going to be rough. And so we said, if there is a language barrier that we can, uh, we can overcome to produce the DNA that we've just talked about, uh, we want to do that in a demographic that's the largest growing demographic in our city. And so we are launching the Latino campus as part of our missional outreach into our city. They already meet now once a month. They're going to go to every other week in January, and then they're going to jump to a full-time deal by the middle of the year and a full gathering space and a campus developing. We're very, very excited about that. And then 
We are going to resource our special needs um, work here internally. Special needs is an area we have discovered is incredibly missing in the church because it is a hard area to work in. It comes with a lot of unpredictability. It's messy and we love it because we love stepping into mess that way. And that mess, when stepped into, turns into what? Redemptive beauty. And so then it's better than it could have been imagined because you see these people that thought of themselves as uh, needing to stay away from the norm because there's difficulty actually realizing, no, God has wired you into the story like everybody else. We're all part of the body. Let's do this. And so we're going to press into that in a big way, resource that, and make that expand so that we can reach that part of our community. And then we're going to step into growing our future. Growing our future, why? So we can get big and famous? Uh, believe me when I tell you. Last thing on the planet I want is that I got eight kids to handle. That's about all I can do right now, right? So that, that actually has been the most scary thing for me all along is that we might actually uh, be in spaces where more is demanded. And so, well, that's not the reason. The reason is because we have discovered that if we reproduce the story like we were commanded in the Great Commission, that God will use that story as he sees fit. So we're going to do that. Where does that begin? Here's reality, folks. First and foremost in that story, expanding anywhere in our campuses right now is just not even possible anymore, just from the pure logistics of it. We are out of room in children's ministry. We are pushing the limits on student ministries. My son comes to home, he's in student ministries, and he goes, we, we had to have our small group out on the patio again, and it's hot out there, and there are mosquitoes. And I'm like, well, sorry. We don't have any more classrooms to give you. There's already people in my office and in every other office here. So we're out of room there. We're, we're out of room with adults. If you come to the 1117 or the 902 and you have a family of five, which is kind of small in our church, right? I mean, that's a standard operating procedure. And you come in here, we're going to seat you separately if you come two minutes late because they're not five seats in a row together. So we are, we are out of space. Winter Garden Campus closed their children's ministry last weekend because it was full as well. Disney campus is, is stretching everything they can as well. We are out of room. So we know that we have to look at expanding space. But we are landlocked here and we can't. So the elders started looking into options we might have. I could tell you about what we found, but I'd rather just show you. So take a look at this video and see what's coming next. building behind me has been an incredible home for Mosaic Church over the last few years. When we first came into this building, we had 50 people in the church, and I remember thinking to myself, we're going to grow into this building over the next 10 to 15 years, and yet within three years, we had outgrown the space as it was. At that time, we decided as an elder team to step into an expansion project and double the space. In doubling the space, we thought for sure we would create the breathing room we needed to grow into the story that God has for Mosaic. But despite launching the Disney campus and the Winter Garden campus and creating more options and doubling the space, within four years, we are now pushing every limit on this space. First, we thought maybe we could expand this building again, but realized after exploring that that we are landlocked here and that was not a good option. We looked at a couple of other buildings in the area, but nothing seemed to come 
uh, to fruition. And then a building came about that was very interesting to us as an elder team. So we toured the building with a realtor, we brought in a general contractor and an architect to look at the building, and we talked to bankers. And as yellow lights turned to green lights, the elder team moved from cautious interest into unified excitement. And so we began to imagine that this building may very well be the home that God has been preparing for us to step into the greater story we have next. So, we've been preparing for what's next. Would you like to see what's next? Well, I'm gonna take you there right now and show you. Here we are in Winter Garden on Highway 50. You've probably driven by this space a thousand times. Maybe you noticed, maybe you didn't. In fact, maybe you even shopped here when this was once an appliance direct store. But it's been quietly sitting here waiting to become the headquarters for the world change that God has called Mosaic into. Behind me is a building with 78,000 square feet waiting to be cut up into parts to become the home for a growing church just like ours, giving us the space we need to grow. This is almost four times the size of the space we're currently in, meaning that it gives us the capacity to double our current adult space and triple our current children's space. We are so excited about this space and all that it's gonna give us. Can you imagine what it will look like to have Mosaic Church plastered all over the white wall behind me as a beacon of light and hope to the world around us as 50,000 cars a day drive by this space? I can't wait to see what God is gonna do in this space with us for the world around us. Imagine a lobby with room to move. Imagine a 1,200-seat auditorium and kids' space to match. This building has the room to hold a lot of dreams. We have been called to shepherd the people from Groveland to Millennia Mall and from Disney to Apopka. And this building sits right in the middle of all of that. It is just a few miles from where we are now. And as God continues to draw us into working diligently on health and facilitating the natural growth that comes from that, I can't wait to see the world change he's gonna affect through us in this new space as we allow for the room that people need to come and join our gatherings. So we've been preparing for what's next. Now it's time to kickstart what's next. Are you ready, Mosaic? You know, I was standing in the lobby after the 902 and somebody said to me, and it was such a great observation, they said, isn't it incredible to take a building that looks old and run down and when we're done with it, it will be redeemed. It will be made new, right? Isn't that what we do? It doesn't matter what we touch. Whatever we touch, we ought to touch. When it's done, it ought to be more beautiful than when it was there before we touched it. Because that's what Jesus did. He would touch dead things and dirty things and sinful things and ugly things. And when he was done touching them, they would be beautiful. 
and that's what we're going to get to do. But a building is not the focal point that we ever want our church to be centralized around, right? We don't want to say, we've created a space, you come here, then we'll do our thing. We want to always go out as well. So as part of our strategic plan over the next two years to make sure that we are growing the story, within 12 months of the building opening, we will launch our first new campus somewhere in Orlando. And within 12 months after that, we will launch another campus out somewhere in Orlando so that we're constantly shifting out as much as we are shifting into that space. We will be living on mission, not only in one space, but in multiple spaces throughout our city to be able to reach people in their localized context so they can be in, on mission in those local contexts. Uh, not only that, but as we also launch out and we launch campuses out, we want to make sure that we are going to be working with the Disney campus to expand their room as well. And as part of the two-year vision to grow the story, we need to give them the space to have a Sunday morning gathering as well as their current Sunday night gathering. They're out of space there, but also they have schedules as a, a cast member world that if they are scheduled in the evening, they can't come to church. And we want to produce two spaces which will cost more facilities and more space to do that. And that's really, at the end of the day, the plan we have for the next two years that we believe will catalyze the next decade of our story. Now, here's the reality. To get to where we are today, these 13 years, it has cost us thousands and thousands of man hours, uh, volunteer hours, and it has cost us millions and millions of dollars. That's just the reality. To get to where we are today. Each step of the way, it required people generously giving of their energy and time and talent and generously giving of their resources, their actual finances. And because they did, we stand here today watching videos like those, right? Now, as we look forward, the reality is also that a vision this fearless, this crazy, is also going to cost a tremendous amount of time and a tremendous amount of resources because that's what it takes to enter a dark world on mission for the gospel. The cost of this is going to be very simple from a financial standpoint. We can't even calculate the hours yet in terms of what it's going to take from a leadership standpoint. Here's the finances. They're easier to calculate. To equip the saints to do the work of the gospel over two years is going to cost us $5 million. Then it's going to cost us $1.5 million to create those partnerships and step into the world we did on an impacting our world around us. That's money that's just going to go right out the door that's going to serve others to be able to expand the gospel. And then uh, growing our future is going to cost $3.5 million. Now the $3.5 million for those two campuses and the Disney campus expansion and the new building, that's not the price of the building and the build out, okay? You could do the math and go, what? You got it for that? No, we didn't. No, we didn't. But here's what we do know. As we follow the principles given to us in things like crown ministries and financial peace that take biblical principles and say, when you're going to be stepping into buying a house, make sure that your amount you pay on your mortgage is never more than this percentage of your annual income. And make sure that your debt and equity ratios are never more than this so that you're in debt before you even get in. And make sure you keep it in these uh, boundaries because otherwise it's not wise. When we follow all of those principles, in fact, follow them more stringently than they would give us, 
we have been able to figure out how some financial institutions can step alongside us just like they do when you and I buy our homes and within all of those biblical structures uh, fund what we need over the next 15 years to be able to do what we're about to do. In order to put the down payment down, in order to facilitate some of the payments on the restructuring the building and to facilitate the mortgage payment for the next two years, that's built into the 3.5 million. So when we have that, we are not struggling to do those things because they're all within the biblical boundaries that we believe keep us wise in stepping into things like this. So that 3.5 million gets us two years down the road. Now here's the reality. Right now, it costs us $2.5 million a year to do what we do, to equip the saints, impact the world, and keep expanding the story in the campuses that we've already done, right? That's $2.5 million a year. That is our current annual budget, and that is realized through the generosity of those that call this place home. That means over two years, that's $5 million. So if we said nothing, did nothing, changed nothing, and everything stayed as it is, we already have $5 million on the table just by what's already happening, right? And probably a little more than that because things tend to increase and grow over a couple of years. What we know, though, is that God has given us a vision that is bigger than $5 million. It is a vision that hits $10 million. But here's what we also know. God has made it clear to us as a leadership team to trust Him in this journey. In fact, when we started this journey, we started this journey at $8 million for two years. And as we were looking at that number, I was on a retreat, a soul care retreat, and God spoke to my heart and said, Boy, that's not very fearless of you, trusting me for what you really need. And I came back to the elders and I said, I'm really sensing God saying we're not being fearless and we're about to call our people into living fearlessly. And so we looked at the vision again and said, you know, the real cost on this, if we're honest, in terms of what God's really called us into is 10 million. Let's go to the table with 10 million. And so that's what we've done because we believe this is what it's going to cost to do what God has called us to cost, uh, to do. So what does that mean for us? How are we going to call you and how am I called into this to participate in these next two years and this story? Here's the, here's the deal. Here's the part. We're going to call you, as we are calling ourselves, into a fearless generosity with our resources and with our time, energy, and talent. That's what we're going to do. We're going to call us into a fearless generosity. Because if we do that, then I guarantee you that this will be realized without a shadow of a doubt. The resources are here for this. It's going to be a matter of how fearless we are uh, facing the idols of our culture, which is your time is yours, your money keeps you safe, don't part from it. Unless God tells you you have to for a little bit, right? And here's what we're going to do. We're going to go, no, 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 we're not going to do that. So what does fearless really look like? I mean, that sounds wonderful, right? Fearless with your, with your generosity. Woo, woo, that's wonderful. What does it really mean? Here's what it really means. You and I are all going to identify where we currently are as we step into this. Because here's what we're doing, right? This is one vision we have for two years, and it's one fund. We're not doing the, hey, over and above, whatever this, and, and for that category, and build a building over here. We're just saying, here's what God wants us to do for two years, folks. God has already given the resources for that, because that's what he's calling us to. It's going to be a matter of our fearless obedience, fearless generosity to see it realized. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to ask all of you, all of you, everybody that calls Mosaic home, to identify where they currently stand in their releasing of those resources that feel like yours but actually belong to God, right? 
Not 10% of them don't belong to God. 100% of them belong to God. You just get to manage them. So that that we hold on to, what's it going to look like? You are going to look at where you're at, and you're going to identify where you're afraid. So maybe for some of you here, you have never given a dime to this story here at Mosaic. Never. That's never. You come here. You're part of this. You've never given a dime. Either because uh, you are, are like, I, but I, I can't. I mean, I'd love to, but I can't. I give my time. Great. I do too. But you've never given a dime. Here's what we're going to ask you to do. We're going to ask you to go ask God whether he wants you, and, and, and he does, whether he wants you <laughs> to give anything. He will say yes, and then you ask him how much, how much. And you are going to look at the next two years, and you're going to say, God has invited me to participate in the story. I'm going to participate, and I'm going to give something. Because for you, giving something is fearful. And so you're going to cross your fear line. You're going to go, I've never thought about giving anything, but I'm going to give something. Wow, you just stop, step past fear. Some of you already give. You go, every time you guys do a backpack drive, I buy 10 backpacks. Great. Every time some resources coming I wasn't expecting and I've got extra that month, I give it to, 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 to something here. Great. That's what we call intentional giving, but it's not proportional giving. In other words, you give randomly and generously when you can. We're going to invite you to consider what it would look like to give proportionately. You make a decision ahead of time, X amount of percent of my income I'm going to give to God right off the top without questions asked. Because that moves us toward biblical faithfulness in our generosity. We're going to give proportionately. Some of you go, I already give proportionately. Woo-hoo-hoo! Great. That's exciting. But the Bible actually has a standard it calls faithful, and that's tithing. And tithing, by definition, means 10%. And so if you're at 3% or 4% or 8%, we're going to challenge you to ask God if He wants you to get to 10% over the next two years, right? If He wants you to trust Him enough to do that. And you're going to start saying, God, should I become a faithful giver? Now, the beautiful thing about fearless generosity is it fits into every category, doesn't it? No matter where you land. Because if you happen to be a faithful giver, I give 10%. I fulfill my calling as a faithful follower of Christ in my resources. Great. You know what fearless generosity is? Dare to go to 15%. How about 20? How about 50%? You did not just say that. I absolutely did. You know that generosity I told you about that made our story possible the last few years? Uh, the people engaged in that, the primary players in that, those are the kinds of percentages they sit at. And that because of that, we were able to do what we do. And so God may be calling you into a place you never imagined possible with your resources. Why? Because folks, here's the deal. Our generosity is not simply about what God needs on the table. He doesn't need you. He doesn't need me. He doesn't need our money. It is about us daring our souls to not be afraid. Daring our souls not to think that the idol of this culture, which is your resources saying you're safe with them, is in fact real. And it is daring us to take a baseball bat and club that idol to death. And we're going to walk in and say, I'm going to find where I'm afraid and I'm going to poke a hole in my fear. And I'm going to step over. That's why we say we want you to have fearless generosity. And who do we want to have fearless generosity? Everybody. I've already sat with my eight kids, talked with them about the next two years, and daring to pray ahead of time about what God might call them into. And they've said, how much? And we said, we'll pray with you. But God will tell you. And here's how we're going to make it tangible. We're going to give you today, as you leave here, we're going to give you two things. We're going to give you a commitment card. You don't have to do anything with it today. Don't worry. We're not going to make you do anything. Just stop. 
and we're going to give you a book that lays out for you this story and also some resources on how to pray, how to ask God, how to look at the scriptures, what they actually say. You're going to go home with that. You're going to go pray. You're going to go ask God. In the next few weeks, when we come to the end of our journey through this incredible story we're on, we are going to call all of you to make a commitment for the next two years to say, I'm going to dare not to be random about this, but I'm going to be intentional about an act of worship, committing to my body of Christ. Here's what God's told me to give over the next two years. And we're going to say, here's my tithes and offerings. That's it. Not for a building fund or this fund or that fund, but for the vision of God that he's given us to fulfill. We're going to fund that vision. And then we're going to talk about how much we give of our time and ourselves. Why am I calling you into this? Here's what I'm most excited about. Here's what I believe wholeheartedly, and listen carefully to this. If all of us participate, if all of us cross our fear line, all of us, number one, I promise you that number will be realized and beyond. Guarantee you that. God has already done that. So if we all participate, that will, that will be nothing. Second of all, and far more importantly than that, although that's pretty cool, we'll get to do that vision. Can you imagine what God would do with a church? Can you imagine what God would do with a church full of people where all of them have found a line of fear in the area of the greatest cultural idol we have to face and they have poked a hole in that line of fear? Can you imagine what God does with people that fearless? That will just be the beginning of transformation. It will result in transformation yet unimagined, yet unasked for, yet unrealized. Because people that are free from their resources are free to do anything God calls them to. And that's going to be exciting. I want to pastor the kind of church that gets that loud. That gets that loud. That says all of us are in. And we're all going to go storm the gates of hell together and see them fall because that is our power. The next four weeks, we have some stuff coming down the pike that is gonna be mind-blowing in terms of showing us what God is up to, and I can't wait, but here's the deal. Through that journey, I have a single hope that when we're done with this and we step into 2016, between a building on 50 and lives set free and hearts free and fearless living and fearless generosity, we might actually get so loud that we will actually change the world. That we will actually change the whole stinking world. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for the unbelievable privilege to be invited to participate with you in the story you're unfolding on this planet through our, through our time, our energy, our talents, our gifts, our functions, our dysfunctions, all of it redeemed by you for the great work of the gospel. And thank you that you invite us equally into that story with our finances to take what most holds our heart, what you speak to most in scripture about being dangerous to us and asking us to fearlessly lay it down. I pray, God, that 100% of the people that call Mosaic home, I, I, I'm asking you, Spirit of God, that 100% of the people that call Mosaic home would dare to evaluate where they currently stand in their financial giving and that they would find their fear line and that they would poke a hole through it and dare to defy the cultural idol of security. And that they would shout with their souls, I trust God, I don't trust my stuff. And as we do that, God, would you move in this place 
beyond imagination, leading us into places where we can literally see the world actually change as we have been seeing over these last 13 years. May we play a video seven years from now that I can once again stand on the stage and say, if you'd played this for me seven years ago, I can tell you I would never have imagined it. But I can imagine it now because God does immeasurably more than all we can ask for or imagine. God, we love you. We pray these things in Jesus' name.